recording now. All right, Pancreation Philosophy, episode 137. We got a special panel here of guests. We're going to be talking about fighting in the age of loneliness. Let's yes. get the first co-host out of the way. We got Scott McDonald. It's your boy, it's Scotty Mag, a.k.a. Big Must, a.k.a. motherfucking... It's not even... It's motherfucking McDaniels now. That's all it is now. I'm telling you, this... I don't even want to talk about any socioeconomic shit. None of that. Justin Bieber, we're coming for you, baby. This is the year of the gimmick fight, and I'm not playing. I need everybody... To make sure that fight happens. Look, with Justin, what do you have to lose, bro? My ankle. I'm coming off a massive injury. I am shit. Ask Aaron and Pocholo. I sparred yesterday. I am garbage. You have nothing to lose. Step up, bro. Fighting in the age of loneliness. Do I sound lonely? Because I am. <laughs> yes, that was Scott McDonald. And then we got... It's your boy, you know, Armani Exchange, a.k.a. AJ, a.k.a. Armin Hammer. Uh, what's up? Discipline at all times. <laughs> Discipline at all times. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk about that. And, and then we got Aaron. Aaron Rodriguez. Cancreationphilosophy.com. Go follow. Yeah. That was calm. Mm. Yeah. King Kong of Ping Pong. And unpaid intern. Well, shit. My intro was... That's a tough act to follow. Tough act to follow. I know. From all these. Yeah. But you are paid with experience. Yes. <laughs> paid with experience. I was like, man, that came off very easily. Yes. <laughs> like, does, it, does the internship <clears throat> include a room and lodge? Or <laughs> I mean, it will soon. Ah! Yeah. But, um, okay. So, yeah, fighting an age of loneliness. So, what was, so it was created by... I know John Boyce was the guy. Yeah, that, John Boyce is a creative director yeah, at SB creative Nation, director, SB uh, Nation. Sports. And medium. I think it's called now Secret Base. And also Felix, uh, how do you... How Felix Biederman, and he Biederman. was uh, yeah. one of the three founders of the Chapo Trap House. Oh, nice. It's an amazing podcast. It's yeah. a socialist leftist podcast. And okay. I think they, yeah. uh, you know, finally published this. I think it was about two years ago. Yeah. But John was more the data guy. Yeah. And he was able to look at the different fighter pay and then yeah. really throw in the data around the economy. Yeah. And then uh, Felix also helped with that. But he really set the narrative... And I came up with the title Fighting in the Age of Loneliness, which um, he even says himself, like, the era we're growing up in now is a very lonely age for a lot of different reasons. So, Mm -hmm. For Uh, sure. Oh, wow. You guys remembered way more than I did. Who's this secret base? That's SB Nation, I think. Yeah, so so Secret Base is the YouTube channel for SB Nation now. And and that's where you can find this. It's a five-part series. We'll, We'll be talking about episode one. Uh, mainly today, so I guess we'll just get well, like first initial thoughts, like on the episode. I guess we can start here, Ender. Um, I'd say I liked the, I like that they trace the origins back to grappling more. Back to grappling, because mm-hmm. yes. I yeah. I completely expected it to just be like some striking circle jerk the whole time. Striking but, circle jerk, yes. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad they don't. Delve deep into the roots of like judo, jujitsu. Right. So pretty much you're saying it's not a bunch of fucking casuals. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that what you're saying? Kind of. Yeah. yeah. No. No. Which you know is yeah. Because like the most like casual fan all they know is McGregor. Yeah. <laughs> and that, McGregor and Kimbo. Hmm. All right. How about how about Aaron getting his notes down? <laughs> yep. No. Oh, yeah. It was definitely pretty good that they went into the deeper origins of grappling and like the. I guess the feud going on with Lucha Libre, Lucha Libre Esportiva, and the Gracies, right. self righteous self, like unabashed 
promoting of their version of jujitsu, which really is, you know, Kosen Judo, Judo on the ground. They, like, revamped that shit, remarketed that, found a way to capitalize on that. And once they, like, kind of set the market up so that they could monopolize on that in Brazil, brought that shit to America, and people don't really know what's up, but I'm Got glad it. that that documentary was, like, dropping knowledge. Letting yeah. people know what's real. They infiltrated the dealers and they found the suppliers, essentially. Yep. You yeah. got a key? No? Can you afford one? Yeah. Too bad. <laughs> no, and that... Well, that right there is a really important part, is that um, the inability for the majority of Brazilians to afford the gi really put for them sure. at a disadvantage, so naturally they went to Lucha Libre. Yeah, and um, yeah. even... Class divide. Interestingly enough, like... That's why you saw a lot of like negative reactions to the leg locks, to some of the chokes. As uh, initially, the Gracies thought that was like frowned upon, and they had all sorts. Those of... Those are poor people techniques. Well, in essence, yeah. So and I, I mean, no, they were. But yes. if if you watch like the trajectory of how my because um, what was Maeda's teacher's name? Aaron was. Um, Which one? Maeda's teacher. Kano. So, so the founder of judo. Jigoro so the founder of. Uh, judo Kano like the right. whole reason he ended up doing it was because like he was a very small individual and he was yeah, grappling like with more seasoned two. practitioners yeah. and he was just getting frustrated and we all know what that's like like you just keep getting your ass kicked in the gym and like so what you do is either you just let that break you or you know you become more uh, in tune and you have a deeper desire to learn a multitude of techniques and that's what he did he studied all the grappling arts yeah. and um, that Combined, is like all the broken jiu-jitsu schools back when they were really specialized in one thing like mm-hmm. maybe only leg trips or only throws mm-hmm. or only joint locks and like pressure point shit mm-hmm. like it was still very much uh being very revived because the samurai class was basically banned she was dying out nobody really cared about jiu-jitsu back in the day after 1882 and so he was one of the few like nobility because mm-hmm. he got the privilege to like learn that shit when he was a uh, rich family so he combined all these different like traditional Japanese jiu-jitsu schools that he studied, learned a little bit like, because he was educated and Japan was getting modernized Mm -hmm. added some western wrestling his experience with sumo, even though he's really scrawny, just the moves Mm -hmm. and that's where he kind of like came up with the original, I guess, modern grappling, like before sambo, before western wrestling, like, became a sport officially in the Olympics he was like trying to find a way to really make a sport of grappling and Maeda is like his star pupil Maeda was definitely one of his stars. Like. Yeah, and he's the one who st- started doing the seminars. And he, in the age of early globalization, he was able to travel across yeah. the globe. Satake, and set up all these, Amori, uh, and Maeda. Those three were definitely like the biggest ones who went traveling. And um, I think one of them got kicked out of the Kodokan uh, just from like street fighting. So like part of the thing was to go spread the word of judo, they would go do exhibition fights. Mm-hmm. And like they would also cross exhibition with like catch wrestling. Right. So prof- professional wrestlers, strong men. So sometimes they would train in the same moves themselves, and that was a big influence of like jujitsu's origins. It doesn't know that like when they thought they were learning jujitsu, Japanese mm-hmm. jujitsu, they were being taught catch wrestling moves, Western wrestling moves by Japanese guys who themselves were practicing this stuff too. Mm-hmm. So, and then he ends on his journey. He ends up in Brazil, yep. and that's where he meets. Uh, Gastel Gracie, Gastel yeah. Gracie, and Gastel Gracie is doing the carnival, and they have don't they have all those yeah, things set up, much. and that and we talked about this yesterday. They were actually doing Valley Tudo through like this carnival. They still they had this really weird form of like wrestling, yeah, and so, open competition happening there. And then when Maeda gets there, 
um, what's his name? Uh, the he- Gracie we're talking about, Gast- uh, Gastel, the Gastel yeah. sets up a settlement for the Japanese immigrants. Yeah, and then they the have an exchange. Settled. He tells Maeda, he's like, um, if you teach my son, right, Carlos, Carlos, um, these arts will continue to set up this settlement. And Carlos was pretty much just fucking fighting in the street. Yeah, and was like out of control, like the out of control rich son. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. 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 Sounds right. Pretty much. But yeah, I, f- I found it interesting because it's the way they. Uh, Felix uh, narrates it, it talks about like how it was the art was really enclosed only the samurais had access to it and then you see this like moment of expansion where more people are doing it and then it, it goes global and then it's even opening up more right yeah. and uh, more people are able to experience it and this whole like idea of the outsider that's present through the whole documentary like you see how it's present throughout this because um it became an art that a smaller person who wasn't as strong could utilize to defend themselves. And I think that was a really important point um, that was made in the documentary, too. And then it gets to Carlos, and then that's where we kind of see like a cultural shift, right? Because he becomes a master, and then he opens a gym. Um, I don't know what year that gym. 1925. Not, yeah. Yeah. 1925, and then we see the newspaper ad that comes out where he essentially says, yeah. if you want to get your arm broken yeah. or get choked out or whatever, here's the address, show up. And then that, I guess that was where Valley Tudo was official, officially recognized at that point. I kind of imagine it, that article, like the guy in Tropic Thunder when he's like yelling <laughs> yeah. at the. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I imagine it was written something like that. Yeah. But also, I mean, you got to think that was their internet back then. Yeah. So, I, I just thought yeah. of Twitter immediately for Ooh, some yeah. reason. I'm like, it's kind of yeah. like yeah. our era's Twitter oh, be for Oh, Twitter you think you're tough? But I think that's a good thing you mentioned the cultural shift because I think that's the, uh, you know, that's like the machismo, you hmm. know, like from, from there. And the, that's what really gets instilled, like, in, in that art. Where Car- Carlos was known to, like want to fight anybody yeah and yeah. didn't care about your size or anything he was just a scrappy individual and so obviously that yeah uh, trait and idea traveled with him and then i mean yeah then valley tudo happened and then that's when they had uh, like these open gym invitations and then we the documentary moves into obviously the like godfather one of the amazing gracies helio yeah. and helio again was one of the smaller Gracies, mm-hmm. had some sort of illness, and I, from what I understand, wasn't, like, initially the most technically savvy. Yeah. But he was fucking dogged. Like, he would yeah. gra- have these three-hour matches yeah. against people, and he just would get the shit beat out of him, but he wouldn't quit. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I think uh, in, when you see that, too, that's where, again, it's the smaller guy able to hold his own against a larger opponent which is you know i think essential in that art but um yeah i think it's interesting how yeah that's the pioneer because if anything because they need because they needed to change like what was initially you know both like kano with like jujitsu go like all right this is great but this is not the best for me they gotta alter it and then the same thing again with uh with elio Having to uh, yeah change what was now judo had to make it work for him like from there it's like through their 
I guess, lack of tools that they need to be innovative like mm-hmm. from there. So. And how do we get from that to street beefs? It's the exact same thing. It's the exact same thing. Ballet Tudo is just Brazilian street beef. translation. So like, yo, straight up, here, here's with here's. Because I was, I was, when I was living the documentary, right, it just, it just shows like how, kind of like how human nature is, right, mm-hmm. throughout mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned globalism mm-hmm. and all that. And, and it's just like Street When I was Beast. watching that documentary, it was talking about, you know, how the reign of Anderson Silva and then yeah. Chris Martin, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, we have to talk the, about the, that. The cycles. Mm. And then I saw that and I was like, man, like, it, it gave me a feeling of, like, impermanence. And, mm. Like, he was one of the greatest of all time and now he's... But it just shows, it, it really, I was like, man, I really had to think and, like, what, what is my purpose in life? You know, like... Yeah, his fighting is cool and all, that, but but what? Because we're all gonna be gone. Everyone's gonna it's gonna be gone. I'm, you can only be champion for even you know DJ. He's eventually he's gonna be gone too. Right, we're all gonna be sure. gone. So I was. It made me really think, really think about like how do I want to live my life and and all that. Well, man, I think too like with Anderson Silva, you saw I a figure that transcended the sport. He was one of the first to become like the widely known. Uh, guy in MMA, like dude, he was just fucking destroying everybody. And I, rem- do you remember his first fight in the UFC? Like I, I knew Chris Levin. I, I didn't know anything about him. I just remember Chris Levin was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna send him back to Japan. Competition's a little easier." Yes. And then he just got smoked, and you saw this guy, and you were like, "Oh man, this is a different type of athlete. This is like a genuine martial artist." And I mean, even he wasn't, like, you know, uh, beyond criticism. And then you got to see kind of the inner workings of the UFC with Anderson Silva because Dana White would just get all over him if if Anderson didn't perform the way that Dana thought. Who's carrying the, 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 champ, the place? Who's carrying the organization? Yeah, and you, and you saw that tension there, and then he loses the Weidman, and then the everyone's making all these excuses. It shocked me. I mean, I had just had my pro fight in 2013. I remember my brother... Uh, called me and he was like, "Dude, Anderson got knocked out by Wyman." I was like, "No fucking way! Yeah, no fucking way did that happen." And then, yeah. So I, I rationalized. I'm like, "Oh, he was playing around. He's just goofing around." And and then the they had that second yeah. fight, and then he checked that kick and boom. And then it was almost like at that point you saw the end of it, an yeah, era, era. Uh, you, where I think what they're trying to communicate in the documentary, and obviously you know how this stuff is. It's so open for interpretation. Is like it was a niche sport. It had this really unique thing about it. It was transcendent. And then at that moment, boom, you see a complete change where it slowly becomes like everything else. And that's corporate, corporate, exactly. And, that, and, and so remember in the beginning, impersonal, impersonal, you're there. And so remember uh, in the beginning when he says, you know, fighting is the is a history of exploitation. Mm-hmm. And then it transitions. It shows BJ Penn with his hands up and just all the blood over him. And then it shows all these politicians talking, right? And there's a key uh, statement there from George Bush. George Bush says democratic capitalism is the best system that's ever been made. And he talks about the failures of it. And essentially, there's nothing else. And at that point, that I mean, this is an argument that's made by a lot of philosophers and other politicians is that democratic capitalism or capitalist realism, it just essentially gets a hold of something and it commodifies it in nothingness. Of course. Of course. And, it, and, yeah. So, and then what, what showed, like, spoke out to me was, was John, they should have talked about John McCain in the first one, right? Was that, the, or was that another one? I don't yeah, think they, they, to, they, 
They didn't talk about John McCain. No, I, I, sent, I sent that article about John McCain because I thought it, it fit into, uh-huh. like... No, there was a... Because, like... It, I mean, the well, guy in Die Hard? I, no, no, no. No, the, the politician! Yippee, yo, Kai, yay, motherfucker. Young man. Young man. Here, yeah. here's some game, right? Go out. John McCain. Go to the West Coast. Hold he on. ran against. He ran against. Go to the West Coast, he said. Have a nice trip. So he ran against... Obama okay. in the, the 2008 election, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was crazy because he was talking, he was talking about how he, uh, he was like, it's human cockfighting, da da da, but, and it, it also pointed the fact that John McCain, he, he was a, a pilot killing a whole <laughs> bunch of people in Vietnam. Yeah, not only that. I'm a military guy, right? But that, that's a lot of, that's a hypocrisy right there. No, you're right. And not only that, here's another hypocrisy is he was a boxer in the Navy. Oh, right, really? and he he was a fan of boxing. What they say is the reason one of the reasons he was going so hard in MMA is his wife is the owner of uh, uh, Budweiser, the, the Harris, yeah, of Budweiser, Harris of Budweiser, yeah, of and obviously sauce. they make yeah. a lot of profits off of the, all these boxing events. You see the brand on the yeah. canvas, but nah, dude, he just hates grappling. That stuff looks homosexual. He's like, yeah, I <laughs> drop bombs on innocent people in Vietnam, but this is human fucking cockfighting. I will not stand for this. Yeah, but but no, I, I mean, and that, I think um, so. Back to <clears throat> Brazil. Then, after uh, Carlos sends that invitation, I mean, sent, dude, I, the way the documentary portrayed it, I just had the perception that Helio was the one who was taking on all the challengers. Was that <laughs> was that true or not? Okay, thank you, Aaron. No, 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 was, no, 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 no. I was like, it fuck, is, dude. It like, is the truth. All the Gracies are just brother. like the Machados. Like, they were all fighting. Like, they were sparring with each other. That's how they got so good. They all learned from Carlos. Mm-hmm. George and Oswaldo were doing catch wrestling. They were doing, uh, not loot delivery, but like catch wrestling, just like as a competition and also for show, mm-hmm. cross-training. Uh, Carlos got mad and basically kicked out. I think it was George from the family until like much later because he wanted to like do more athletic shit. And what really happened was they were all fighting, like all doing the matches, but they were trying to sell a like why it's so effective is because like oh even our smallest weakest brother can do this and it was damn. And Ailey yeah. would win, but he'd take a lot of damage in like the long. A time lot period. of damage. Yeah. That's the thing. Like even his so then, former student beat him. His own former student. Right. And then and then cutscene in comes Kamora yeah. though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but all the thing Kamora outweighed him. Kamora was but also skilled yeah. in judo from the Kodakon, catch wrestling, like legit no right. experience. Outweighed him well, the 50 j- pounds. The Japanese embassy told him they're like, if you lose, you, don't you, come back. Don't come back. Don't end this series. Fuck. Yeah. Well and, here's the thing. He beat uh Kimura's, um teammate uh what's his name they even showed in the documentary um yuki kano i think what's his name uh should i have right here yuki okato no i'm glad no yeah yuki okato he was one of like the guys that they also sent to like promote judo and uh jujitsu kano jujitsu like judo Mm -hmm. um he was also one of the ground guys too so the thing about maeda and um Kimura, like more specifically, is not just that they were really good at cross training, but their judo was more specifically ground game based already. Right. So, like, what the Gracies learned and what they were dealing with, just is kind of a testament to like why they got so good at that specific skill set and like how good they actually were in that ground. And isn't it interesting how when the you know because the Gracie family runs 
the sport like a, a mob essentially. Oh yeah. It just has very like mafioso tendencies. But then they lock. Uh, something I thought of is I was like, oh, they're just locking down the art again, just like the samurai did. Yeah, keeping it to right? themselves. They kept it to themselves, and there was these techniques that they wouldn't show anybody but the family members. So now it went from this open art when it's going across the country, working its way from uh, Japan, then down into South America, and now it's closed again. And that decision, in a way, increases, I think, the popularity of Lucha Libre, right? Because, I mean, and that, uh, Felix mentions this, where it's like not everything about doing jiu-jitsu was class-based. It wasn't like fully that it wasn't just a black and white class no, no, issue for sure. there but was there was an offset there it's there like was why a can't afford the lineage of jiu-jitsu too luis yeah. franca osvaldo fada like they totally did the leg locks too and they they were on record for beating the gracies at one point in time so like there was a non-gracie competitive lineage of jiu-jitsu who practiced leg locks there was lucha, lucha libre mm-hmm. uh, you know the no-gi faction they had a real rivalry and they would even try to mark it up like lucha libre's losses uh, or Gracie's wins as Lucha Libre losses against other styles. So if they beat like a, they beat a Capoeira guy, or they beat like they would a say boxer. they beat a Lucha Libre exactly. guy. Exactly. Yeah. Just because it was a Valetudo fight. So if they took him to the ground, they'd be like, "Oh, this person has shitty ground game." It's like they're not even a ground fighter. Just to right. like get the market. And out. I guess like the doc, I forget the people involved, but there is a um, gym war that broke out yeah. over a girl. Nasha. So that's yeah. a Taekwondo academy. <clears throat> it happens all the time. <laughs> Muay Thai got introduced to Brazil. Yeah. Through a Taekwondo academy. It was mm-hmm. a Muay Thai fighter. And that's yeah. partially what started yeah. some of the Lucha Libre fight is because he cross-trained. Right. So they're just trying to How find dare to shit. Well, the, some of the Gracies would just show people. up at this gym. Yeah, exactly. And then they were fighting each other in the street. Yeah. Well, and they it beat became... up a kid. They did beat up uh, Charles Gracie, who was a kid at the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, this uh, kickboxer. Oh, some gang uh, shit going down from <laughs> Mario. They're like, everybody getting it's fucking hit. Like, Can you imagine? You're just, like, walking. You're like, oh, it's good to be a Gracie. Oh, fucking knee bar! Walk him off me! <laughs> just like, I'm going to go get some tea. Some guy's just staring at you. You're like, I think that guy's going to try to knee bar me. I'm just going to... Before the internet, just gangs roaming the streets. Dude, just just Dude, just rolling so knee bars. Gangs of Rio. And the Lucha Libre guys didn't have a gymnasium because that cost a lot. So these guys would literally be training in the All fucking the streets. streets. Legit. Yeah. Yeah. In someone's apartment. Streets, you say. At the beach. <laughs> I mean, like, the uh, the third generation of Lucha Libre versus Brazil fight was a uh, Hugo Darte versus Hicks and Grace. That was on the beach. Mm-hmm. Like, they were known to train on the beach. Mm. And then he just like, oh, there they are. Let's go get them. And then Hicks and jumped them. Mm. End of that fight. The so beach, then, the so I they were just really cool gangs. Well, then you. I, mean, I think they're cool because they had like, you know, bright colors because it's Brazil. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. Just trying to, yeah. Charles just eating, trying to. Oh man, they're just drinking acai. Oh, oh it's just a kid. Oh, this yeah, guy's. Oh god, he's got me in the leg lock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, you think this guy walking around being a grazer? No, but I mean, the uh, they mentioned too in the documentary because there's still like extreme wealth inequality in Brazil mm-hmm. today. It was even more so back then, like even worse, mm. even even worse. So I mean, yeah. there obviously was, was a tension there. And back to the class analysis, after I think um, that Jim's established through uh, Carlos, that's when you, um, I think, in the what six seventies or eighties, you start to see those competitions. That the Gracies create, right? Like the Gracie Challenge? Is that what The Gracie talking? Challenge. The Gracie Challenge is a little bit like late 70s, early 80s when they start coming to America. Cause, um, coming to America. America. <clears throat> was it uh, 
Horion was the marketing genius. Yeah, right? marketing. So yeah. So yeah. again, following the documentary, Horion institutionalizes it. They use exactly. that marketing acumen mm-hmm. that they have through the carnival, and then television. Um, television. And yeah. then not only do you see that, but then you see all these like training manuals and, and the other huge profit that the yeah. Gracies make is they do seminars for law enforcement oh, for yeah, the yeah. military yeah. and so it becomes like I wrote this in my journal I remember it's like the jiu-jitsu industrial complex as it started oh, by as it started man, by I don't know what Scott's journals like <laughs> no because that's what it became it went from again this open art that had a, I think a really deep sensitivity to people who state. had this, oh, this like inherent weakness inherent weakness of like and that goes along with the narrative of the outsiders i'm weak i don't fit in how do i you know take care of this vulnerable part of myself how do i make it stronger mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it becomes <clears throat> we see the beginning stages of the commodification of the biz- ah, business interest yep, take it yep, over yep. and not and it's all things are always i looked at them like i look at it dialectically it's like good and bad yep. so now yep. we see the ability of that it can expand now but what comes with it is it comes still with that elite sentiment. And again, you have to have X amount of dollars to be able to participate. We can sell jujitsu, but at what cost? Like really what cost? <clears throat> right. No, and, but um, they didn't care about the cost. They cared no. about the money. money. <laughs> That's yeah, they, they wanted to monetize about. it. Yeah. And, and they, they were like the monopoly on it. Yeah. yeah. It's right. like if they had it and there was no competition, it was like what, you know, why not? Because like, who else is going to like. Uh, who's going to stop them? Yeah. I was going to make it water down. It could have easily been another family that introduced the world to jiu-jitsu. But would they they have had that... Yeah. Would they have had that marketing genius, though? What would jiu-jitsu have been like without the... the, Yeah. Well, um... I uh, read something... um, What's this dude's... I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. I feel embarrassed. He's a total badass. John... McLean. Wick. (laughs) No, John's D. Last name starts with a D. He's jiu-jitsu coach for for, uh, George St. Pierre. Oh, oh Danaher? John Danaher? Danaher. Oh. Who the fuck is that guy? Yeah, who the fuck is that guy? John Danaher. Never he, heard of him. He said that um, it wasn't just uh, those early Gracies that had such an impact on the sport. He said when it did come to America, as you saw another leap with uh, Hoyler? Hoyler? No. Hoyler um, who? Which one? Horian? God, there's so many Hickson? of them, dude. No, mm-hmm. see, the thing about with Hickson, he got really good. Mm-hmm. The way his game got <clears throat> developed was by his cousin who got who was raised as his brother, Halls. Oh, Halls, yeah, who, yeah. who passed away. Halls, okay, Halls no, so, no, no, that's it. Halls was the Hank one. Accident, Halls right? was the one who in- integrated wrestling more of the Sambo. wrestling and Sambo in the, the sub grappling that we know. Yes. Like, the stuff that we train at AMC. Yeah. Yeah. From basic, like, Gracie Academy Online, like, Gracie Combatives 1 through, you know, phase 1 through 3, like, just the basic traditional stuff of Alios mm-hmm. game and then he is the one that was really into the cross training. Carlson uh, was it Alios I guess Alios nephew he was really into like an aggressive style that was like the physicality of Luta Libre mm-hmm. but just like the skills of Jiu Jitsu. Mm-hmm. Holes was the one like okay I'm not gonna listen to my uncle he doesn't he's not like treating me like a son or like part of the family he's favoring Horian. That's why Horian went to America because Holes was the best technical Mm-hmm. Hickson was still a kid, a teenager, so mm-hmm. Halls was like the one running the family as the fighting representative. Right. He's the one that was trying to like cross train, and neither his biological dad, uh, Carlos, nor his like adopted dad, Elio, really like gave him the time to shine and and let him have his due respects while he was alive. 
Who, uh, family uh, holes? Tree is a mess. Yeah. yeah, neither holes. of them showed yeah. to. But I mean, if he if he Damn, didn't, son. but bro, if he didn't branch out and do yeah. sambo or focus yeah. on the sub grappling, yeah. no, jujitsu as we understand it now. Like, right. this is a key lock from cash wrestling, you know, but Bob Anderson showed this move to Hulls Gracie, and he was an American wrestling coach, so they called Good him old American Bob Anderson. Yeah. That's the most American <laughs> fucking name. <laughs> no, actually, good old Bob, <laughs> Coach Bob Anderson. What, what are you knows. doing with these arm bars? Let me show you this key lock, Bob yeah, Anderson. Know, right? <laughs> he just got it on him. He's just whispering in his know, face. Right? He's like, Bob Anderson. Yeah. Like, oh, Girl, he loves apple pie and America. So, so when, where does Hulk Hogan come into the picture? <laughs> Analysis. So the the jujitsu too. Yeah. Jujitsu took a real turn when uh, Hulk Hogan body slammed uh, Andre the Giant at WrestleMania. That's when we saw a pivotal turn. I mean, damn right that's it. Mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're sleeping on really Rocky versus Hulk Hogan. You know who really influenced? Training. You mean Rocky versus Thunderlips? Ooh. You know who really influenced Hoist? It's Macho Man Randy Savage. God damn it. No, but I guess Scott's also bringing up the professional wrestling aspect, yeah. which also is an important part of the breath of, you know, grappling as a whole. Yeah. Because Maeda did clash with professional wrestlers, catch wrestlers on mm-hmm. his way down to Brazil, yeah. where he got a lot of his techniques. And yeah. that's the thing, too, because people think of professional wrestling now as a spectacle as it is. But beforehand, it was an actual, you know, it was an actual submission fighting art. But it just had like, oh shit, too many people are dying. Mm. <laughs> or, 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 yeah. Yeah. Or, is that just pins, just pins. Yes, yeah. That's yeah. what really happened? Yeah, 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 yeah no, that's, that's, you see, you didn't know. It you was very dangerous. You know, the, yeah. the catch wrestling <clears throat> we do at, you know, in his class at the gym, that was old school wrestling. And then yeah. they took that's out so the submissions that's and made it pins only. Is that pancreation? So, but then that punches, then it's pancreation. Oh, yeah. Well, and then the modern day media apparatus comes in, and like what the 1990s, and then somehow tax and steel chairs and fucking cages come in, and then yeah. what do you do? Hey, those are essential <laughs> parts of a sport. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like, oh. Drill it again. Yes. So then, yeah, I think right with that shift with the Grace, Gracies when the Gracie fight challenge is created and then it's setting the stage for them to move to North America that's when it is slowly moving from the spectacle slowly to sport because even UFC 1 was like a complete freak it's, it's show it's still mainly spectacle because yeah. it yeah. just, it's just that's Americanized though that was pretty much street no it was yeah. I mean street yeah. street beef is octagon it's, yeah. it's Americanized Valley Tudo yeah. that, that's yeah. what it was and they're like oh now we got our new age our new age small Brazilian guy against the other people right from there well, right they, they had to kind of in order for it to survive because I mean you can't just have well but with YouTube you can have that shit like street right for but sure. they're not gonna have some fucking granny fight well Think about what but they had to kind of like you know I say corporatize it in order for it to survive during the, those freaking those war, those war years the, the early two thousands. Well, it 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 becomes corporatized because when you shake hands with like private capital and then a, essentially the, what the Zuka brothers did is they risked so much when they bought the UFC. It was not profitable. I mean, no venue wanted to host it because it was still this thing that was really like taboo. And it was really hard for people to watch. Um, but when the, they got involved, that's when you see a shift in. It becomes this kind of outsider thing that's unique in a lot of ways. And because they needed investors and they needed to maintain profits, that's when you have more regulations. And you, for, the, for good, but then you also have like these other needs you need to meet for the market. 
Mm-hmm. And um, it becomes, just like anything, becomes more about appeasing the investors. And then also, like, how do you brand this and, uh, you know, promote this so you can get the most attention, maximum attention, mm-hmm. so you can continue to get that income? Generally that's, that's like, generally. fucking capitalist economics 101. Right. And, and so... Uh, get that money. Advertisements and, and shit, you know. Right. And, and, it, and it was a risk, but it was still, even when they bought it, it was still, like, again, looked at as, like, the human cockfighting. And... But the people who participated in it, like, yes, there were these seasoned martial artists, but there were also these people that were just, like, on the fringes of society, like, that found themselves fighting because they were sometimes good at it, and there was really nothing else for them to do. Like, and honestly, John Jones, I think one of the best fighters ever, his story is kind of like that. Like, he... Oh, I think it's pretty much exactly like like that. that. He has, like, he has this all this trauma like he loses his sister to leukemia at a really young age he doesn't wrestle at a division one school he goes to juco poor grades grades, yeah and then he has a a child young exactly and And now he's got to make money now he's got to make money and then he fucking ends up being a bouncer and he just kind of he doesn't know what to do he's He's tall great athlete and then he falls into mma and Again, if he didn't have MMA, he probably stays on this track of nine to five work, yeah. aimless, precarious existence, which fits into the narrative of this age of loneliness where it's just like you're just fucking aimlessly wandering through life until you find that thing. And, you know, it's crazy because if you look at what he does, he's brilliant. He's so fucking good, dude. And he has a genius. But it's like it's still this this thing that, again, is it was niche. At a at a certain point, and I mean, where where does a, someone like John Jones go? NFL? No, he wasn't. He was the smaller of the brothers too, right? And they were both in the NFL. So, yeah. And even Hoist, I think, even though he he was, I think, smaller in the family. Oh, he was too. not as jacked as Hickson. <clears throat> as Hickson, sure. or again. But so. Gracie's on Who's average worse on the smaller end of the spectrum. Well, yeah, like, yeah, they were small, but still like. Being uh, small for small is yeah. Being small, but still, <clears throat> Hickson was like oh, Hickson was, was, was was jacked. Hickson was jacked. Yeah, exception, not the rule. Exactly, he was he was the Vincent of there. <laughs> well, going into what you were talking about, how uh, you know a lot of fighters go. It, it, that's that's history though. You like Manny Pacquiao, freaking was starving on the, the Mex- streets. Yeah, a lot of the uh, Mexican uh, legends. I mean, know. a lot of the fighters just in general, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, just just, like Roberto Duran, just like fighting yeah. on the streets of Panama. Jack Johnson. Yeah. Well, well, there, there's there's those guys, <laughs> but there's also like, when they did a, they did a soci- there's very like little sociological studies on MMA, mm-hmm. meaning like, um, or, or anthropological studies on MMA. They just haven't been able to collect enough data. But the studies they have conducted in terms of like going and sitting in an MMA gym and interviewing people, they found like the majority oh, of man. participants were like 20 to 30. And they were middle class, yep. middle class, mm-hmm. and they were working professionals. Okay. So there's, there's, there's that. But then there is the truth of what you're talking about, mm-hmm. which is like it, there's this like class of people that are extremely poor they don't have anything else but fighting. Mm-hmm. And that gives them uh, this attachment to a, a meritocracy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And, and and so and it's real. It's like either like Mike Tyson. We can think of so many for, but Mike Tyson is literally training with Customato and then fucking going back to uh Brownsville and robbing motherfuckers, bro. Yeah. Stick he was a stick up kid, and then he's coming back and cusses feeding him and he's yeah. just sitting here like, Man, I'm gonna fucking rob these white people. Yeah. 
but he didn't because he loved cuss and it's like that the sport the positive reinforcement the so, fact that he was deadly it's like again another outsider another someone someone else who just falls to a life of of crime like mm-hmm. and again this is where <clears throat> class is different for the tysons of the world this is like do or die and for like the 20 to 30 i mean it, it's it's sport it's just it's a hobby it's a hobby and it, i think it does Again, it's a sense of community and all those things too, right? Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. But the, 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 that's the greats. That's the common thread among the greats. Right. You know what I'm saying? Jose Aldo, right? You know, that's a common thread among, among all, a lot of the greats. Not all of them, but mm-hmm. you know, a lot of them. Which is, you know, they just they're that committed. They're what do you guys committed. think about the the narrative that's kind of pushed in the documentary about like the Gracies being the rich kids? And then Lucha Libre being the poor kids. And, like, what were your reactions to... Because, I mean, it is true, but, like, that that conflict there, what were your reactions? That kind of if, classism? I mean, that exists in third world countries everywhere. Yeah, yeah. it exists here, too. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, yeah. we all know Nogi is full of savages anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't too surprised. So what I, what I thought was, like, I was like, oh, shit, there's humans being humans again. You know what I'm saying? I was like, well... It was like I was watching a fucking... Uh, World War Two documentary, not not necessarily, but you know, I was like, okay, I'm, we're just watching conflict, right? You know what I'm saying? And I was like, it, it was an acceptance of that. But I was like, it was interesting to see that in that in that part of in that part of the world with this subject of of the. the well, I mean, even like I thought it was unique because I often thought about class out like completely outside of martial arts, which I mean, I just never. Obviously, I knew there was probably some correlation there, but I never. Saw, have seen anybody make the connection like that? Like mm. that, there's a distinct uh, class struggle between those two arts. Um, and again, like they were talking about how some people wanted to train with the Gracies and get the gi because if this is what I took away from it, it was more like a social capital than anything. It's it was a like, status symbol. It was a status yeah. symbol. Of, I have the gi, oh, you have and, gi. and I'm training with this family. Whereas the uh, Lucha Libre guys were just like, go fucking yeah. do this oh, you shit anyway. Man, you can find that in everything. Like, I was like, I remember when I was f- first looking for a gym, I was like, okay, I'm in Marysville, freaking hour drive. Do I want to go to UFC gym in fucking, fucking Roosevelt, downtown Seattle, or do I want to go to AMC? And I was like, okay, well, this choice is obvious. So I'm going to drive yeah, an UFC. hour. I'm gonna go to, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go to- yeah, fucking UFC gym. <laughs> UFC, Obvious, dude. AMC. Bro, what UFC. about UFC? <laughs> and then when people ask you if you do UFC, you can say, you yeah, do I do. UFC. Yeah, you do yeah, UFC. Yeah. I'm not trying to watch movies, bro. I'm trying to fight. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, no, and I think that, yeah, that same class divide, that's just history repeating itself. That mm-hmm. always happens. Mm-hmm. Especially between, like, you know, conflict between two houses. I mean, they yeah, probably inherited years. that. That was, like, yeah. what standard practice with judo in japan is that yeah. a pretty classist thing judo kano was the upper class yeah and just like the, the jujitsu yeah. that the samurais were doing again yeah. the samurais were the feudal elites yeah, yeah judo didn't really become democratized for the people until about the like 50s when it was actually an olympic sport like if right. you were a soldier in station in japan good luck learning judo you were There's rich if you could afford to learn like, judo like, in japan with the the internet age well first it was globalization yeah, with all the, the evils, the good ideas. and the evils of yes. of it, and then you have the internet age, where it's like I feel like I t- personally take it for granted, but I feel like people are probably a lot smarter now. We're more open to, even though there's dumbasses out there, we're still. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, yeah, but, yeah, but now we, still, we just we have, have access. access. We see yeah. them, no, but that you know, know what? Who are the dumbasses yes. now? Yeah, YouTube TikTok. and yeah. yeah, YouTube and then 
just even, you know, <clears throat> UFC's deal with Spike TV. And, and now we're getting into things that are outside the first episode. But, like, I found out about MMA because I fucking yeah, watched... The ult- find out about I watched... We should all talk about that. I sure. watched Ultimate <clears throat> Fighter. Yeah. And I saw this show and I was just fascinated with it. And, I mean, I, I don't know... I think I watched the one that Matt Hughes was the coach. Matt Hughes was the coach. And it's BJ Penn? No, no. Matt, talking about the second season. Matt with, Hughes and Rich Franklin. Oh, yes. Matt Hughes and Rich Franklin. Yes. And I remember I saw Melvin Gillard. Yes. And I was like, man, this guy's fucking Young hits, assassin. Young, this guy hits like a motherfucker. And then, <clears throat> then I just like, dude, I fucking, oh, I'm going to snitch on myself and this will make all of us laugh. I was like, I want to be like these guys. And I, I went out and bought Zion's pre-workout. <laughs> yes. And I was like. I'm out of shape, but if I drink the Zions, <laughs> I'm going to be able to run up this hill. Literally took two scoops of the Zions, walked down to the bottom of this hill, just fucking jogged up like just half a block and vomited blue. I was like, oh! I was like I'll never be like Chuck Liddell. But no, it, it, it's like... Oh, Chuck Liddell would have been able to and do I was this. 18, I was like 18 years old. And so, again, but how did, all of the, how did that commodity get to me? How did it was all through the dealings that the UFC had made with Spike TV, mm-hmm. and then that's how I, I was exposed to it. And then I bought a heavy bag, and then I was just hitting it in my fucking garage, and I had no, what? I had no plans of fighting at that point. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I remember seeing it, and in, in, if I look at it now, I think it uh, at that point in my life, I didn't have a lot of fucking direction. Like I just graduated high school, I was like, I don't fucking want to go to college. Yep. All my grades are shit. Mm-hmm. I've never felt smart. School is bullshit. And, bullshit, and dude, bullshit. No, seriously. That's how you I heard that, oh, kids. No, wait, no. I work at a school. That's how I felt. That's how I felt, too. I work with kids. This, is, this isn't Mr. McDonald, no. You're that, that's how it feels right now. <laughs> yeah, I know You're she. teaching kids at a bullshit school. Dude, our mom's super. Thank you, bro, for being a mature. Well, yeah. Fuck. These fucking assholes. Well, hey. I know that feeling, though, because like you're in high school and you're like, Fuck, everyone's going to college. I'm never going to see these fuckers again. Dude. My whole life is changing oh, completely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I go from this lead up to fucking uh, graduation and then boom, summer vacation and what the fuck. No, and that that's what happened. I was like... And you I was to join the military? Oh, no, you know what I'm bro. Saying? And yeah, no, exactly. that's exactly... Bro, and then I went to a recruiter's office. Mm-hmm. I was on that path too. Yep, that, that was there too. And then I, was, I did take a college class at TCC and the guy... Dude, I don't know. I don't believe in God or any of that shit, but I do believe in fucking really powerful coincidence. So, like, I'm sitting in a math class, and, like, this guy walks in, and he has, like, a fucking prosthetic leg, and he, like, sits next to me, and we, we're in the math class, and then, like, we leave, and I walk with him, and I end up, like, making friends with him and find out he loses his fucking leg in, in Iraq. And, dude, I swear to you, I was like, yeah, bro, I think about signing up for the military. He looks at me, and he literally <laughs> fucking punched me. He doesn't even fucking know me. He punched me in my chest. I was like, mother... He was like, don't you fucking do it. I was like, shit. Say say that then. Yeah. But I, that was his That was his perspective, bro. Yeah. I no, know. no, 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 no. You See, know, but... And I, I was had, like, nope, we're gonna do something else then. Yeah, I, ha- I had it personally, because, like, I'm in I'm in the reserves, but I'm supposed to be mobilizing next, next year in um, July. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of... You know, growing up in here, you know what I'm saying? I grew up... I had the same... A lot of the same... I grew up in high school. I had the same, like, very socialist, very... And I still... I've kind of mellowed out, and I'm more, like... I've, I'm more balanced. I'm not saying, you know, mm-hmm. that's not... But I'm saying I just kind of... Now that I see the Marine Corps, and I see 
what I go, I did growing up here, I kind of see like I, I don't know what's going on. I know that humans are crazy, but but mm-hmm. I um I had a lot of reservations about. I I was like going through high school and I was like, yo, why I'm lost, but you know it was something I always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Went through another path, just started training, but then I still I knew that it was my path regardless of it was my path. This is mm-hmm. how I want to live part of my life at least not forever mm-hmm. but i can't you can't avoid your destiny yeah so I'm just, just yeah no you out. made the best choice for you and back to just like the age of loneliness i think like again for that was my subjective experience with fighting being exposed to fighting it interested me i saw like i don't know these guys that were athletic and they were pushing themselves and you know, it was probably just some masculinity wrapped up in that where I was like, okay, shit, this seems like this is the apex of being a man. Mm-hmm. As I understood it as an 18-year-old fucking kid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And obviously I was attracted to it. And then the this, this stimulation from watching people in combat. Yep. And again, I went to a rough-ass high school. I got in a lot of fights. My friends were in jail. My friends were in gangs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, fucking got shot at and shit. And so I... I don't know, but I remembered the excitement from getting into those situations, yes. and I'm sure that adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, also like when you don't have purpose, when you feel isolated on some level, and you see something like this, it's easy to be attracted to it, and it yeah. doesn't again good and bad. Yeah. Shit puts you on the right path in a lot of ways, and I think that's what's interesting about it though too, is because there's a lot of people that got into it for that reason. And then a lot, and then when you have something that's so marketed in its professional sport, then it's like, oh, am I good if I don't make this a career, and I'm not a UFC fighter? Mm-hmm. What does that say about my value? Exactly. And th- and that's kind of the contradiction there too. Oh, I'm not in the UFC, or I'm not fighting like these guys. Does that mean I'm good? Does that mean that uh, I have worth as a martial artist? Well, it's 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 you know, like value. it'd be easy to go no. It's it's like it's like do you value? Is it value, you value the money? You value the clout? Or do you value the self-realization? That's what I figured out. Mm-hmm. After I won my Street Beast fight, I realized, <laughs> I was like, no, but stand up. I know, yeah. I know, I know. No, no, go ahead. That was, that was, 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 that your, no, was that your first MMA fight? That was my first MMA fight. But after that, I realized that that didn't make me happy. I thought, I used to have fucking, fucking fantasies, hard-ons of, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to knock dudes out, I'm going to be the shit, and I'm going to get freaking, I'm not going to say, I'm going to get females. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to grow into <laughs> I'm trying to get, growing as a person. Females, you know what I'm saying? But then I realized, like, what really makes me happy is being with friends and family. Right. That's what really makes me you didn't happy. You didn't look like you were really digging it, because you went, like, I was going to, you went like You know this. what I'm saying? I saw I you afterwards, you were like. Everyone's like, oh. Yeah, everyone's and Even your me. boys were hyped, too. Yeah. Look at And you were just like. You saw that, though, right? I saw your hand. Yeah, I saw you do and that. And I did, like, I I felt it. I was like, man, I just did that to that guy. And, like, I know he would have done it to me. And he's a good guy, too, because he hit me up. We were, like. I saw him when you turned your back. He, like, grabbed you. And he was. Yeah, yeah. Cause he's a and good. then they cut it. I'm like, I want to hear that fucking conversation. You and, know? um, you know, I was like, is this really what I want to do? But, but I feel like there was a lot of growth from either winning or losing. There was growth in that. But but the whole, everyone's like, good knockout. And I was like, yeah, I just, I, what, what, see what happened after I won my fight. You see that, I, I get picked up and all that shit. Immediately after, I was like, let's go home. I want to go home. Because I don't want to deal with the aftermath of all this fucking fake fakery. This fake mm-hmm. fuckery. Because mm-hmm. everyone's, 
everyone's saying like they're they're hyping me up, and I was like, man, they don't give a shit. They don't give a shit because I I could have been that dude, and they wouldn't give a shit. So I was like, you don't your opinions don't really mean much. That's real, bro. What means much to me was that I was able to perform under pressure. That's what mean I meant a lot to me. So I was like, okay, but then I was like, you know what? And especially after I wanted it, so I wanted to become. After I joined them, my plan was to join the Marines, reserves, and then become a police officer, right? But you know how this like it is around here, and uh, you know everyone has their own opinion. But then I realized I was like, man, the only reason I want to be a police is because I wanted to prove myself. Now I dude, don't. I wonder how many police officers actually get into the profession because of that right there. And then I was like, yo, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but then I was like, you know what? I have nothing to prove after that. And I don't have anything to prove to anybody. So you've just myself. talked about, like, again, like, may, may you, there's a space and time, and maybe you, you, we've all felt like, you know, and this is where it gets kind of mushy, and I, I wanted to stay, like, on the, the point, but it's hard to watch this and not have an emotional reaction to this idea of the outsider or, like, feeling like that. And me, I don't give a fuck. I'll just be vulnerable. Like, when I was drawn to MMA at that point in my life, I felt like I didn't know where the fuck I was going to go. Mm-hmm. And MMA gave me some Muay Thai first because that's what i ended up doing i fought dj my fourth fight and then that's when i transitioned to mma Mm -hmm. but it gave me a sense of direction i had to be somewhere i had a challenge ahead of me and you know what all that feeling like shit and the grades or whatever you know what i'm saying oh scott's not really a fuck up anymore you know what i mean scott's not getting suspended from school scott's not hanging out with these people that don't have his best interest in mind he's not wasting his potential you know And, and in that way it that's i think what's great about it mm-hmm. but then oh i think most of that shit gets lost when you have something as giant as like the ufc exactly corporation. that's what i felt i felt like i felt disgusted a little bit by that doc- Bro. Not the documentary but the way that it was like oh my god and that's only the first episode brother <laughs> and i was like yo this is gross like and then the way that it lose it lost that martial arts vibe to it mm-hmm. it's a like, martial business you know what I'm saying? Ooh, but it's, but it's always Marshall been martial business, though. <laughs> no, that, that's I know. Thing. true. You're seeing the dark side of what it actually is. Mm-hmm. But I guess, here, let's hear from you guys. Yeah. So, Aaron, how about you? How did you get caught up in this stupid martial arts stuff? <laughs> I don't know. I think I saw was the promo for Cain Velasquez and Brock Lesnar UFC 121. And he's Mexican. Yes. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. We got this. We got it. Yeah. We're here. We're here. We made it. So then after that, it was uh, 129 GSP and uh, Shields. And I watched the... Oh, and Jake Shields' immaculate striking made you want to... I'm like, oh, shit, I can do this. No. I learned all my striking from Sensei Shields. Do you remember those, was like the three-part primetime episodes they used to do? Yes. Like, they go deep in that and just go show everything about the training camp. I'm like, oh, shit, that looks amazing. That looks like really fun. Like well, they sh- yeah. They showed yeah. me the training camp. I'm like, oh, fuck, I really want to do that. Like, they would pay me to exercise and to fight people. Hell <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sign me up. Right now. Yeah. So then GSP, I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, that's, like, my first imprint. So that was, like, the model of what it is to be, like, an MMA fighter. To, mm-hmm. like, try to train like that. And then when I saw a DJ. I'm like, oh, shit, I could just do this right here. I don't have to go to Canada. Fuck that. It's freezing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just trying to find, like, the closest thing of, like, Aiming for perfection, but settling for excellence. Like, what it means to be a true martial artist. Like, mm-hmm. being good everywhere, knowing the whole art in and out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. I'm really drawn to that. So, just any any great martial artist complete, like, I really respect the game. Mm-hmm. 
How about you, Ender? Martial arts. Why? Well, okay, so the very start is back when I was a child. Back when you were a child. Way, <laughs> way, way, way long no, 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 a long time ago. That was a couple months ago. Um, okay. Long time ago. Um, I lived with my grandparents, full Filipino, when I was when I was a kid. And so, obviously, we would watch every single Manny Pacquiao fight that came up. And this is back when he... <laughs> I didn't hear this story, but now I... Kind you know this of, story, though. I see the though. connection. Yes, that you guys yes. Were about so that was my first exposure to it, and eventually the was, it went from boxing to paying for UFC pay-per-views. Um, my family... My family's always loved watching fights, and I even have... I have relatives that were into it. I have an uncle who did it a lot at that time. Uh, my grandfather was huge in he when he was a navy officer and mm-hmm. he would dominate the underground was na- he, he the was naval Filipino, fight right? yeah, was yeah. He, a bo- he was a boxer yeah yeah uh judo box was he southpaw too i yeah, forgot yeah. probably but uh Filipino also really into judo he wrapped the boxes left-handed and right-handed in the navy yeah. but <laughs> The funny part is, despite all of this around me, uh, I didn't take to it. I didn't like think to myself, oh, time to go. I should mm-hmm. definitely get into this. Yeah. It was cross-training for b- football that made me do it. Lake City Braves. Lake, si- Lake City Braves, football? where you at? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, when did you do football? Yeah. Uh, probably like 12. I started maybe when I was nine. I don't know. I don't know the exact timeline, but... You wanted to do football? Child. I, wanted, I wanted to be a quarterback. Yeah. Okay. That was. You have the face of a quarterback. <laughs> what does that mean? What? Um, you just you look like Filipino Tom Brady's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <He> just... <laughs> so. That's the biggest compliment you can get. That is. His face is lit up. Hey, Tom Brady's Straight a good looking guy. <laughs> but still, um, yeah, it was cross trait. I needed to work on like my footwork. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I should go to this boxing. So I should do boxing. And my parents were like, well, you could go to AMC. And I'm like, like the like the movie theater? <laughs> um, How did they know MC? They used to train there a little bit, not long. Um, actually, like early two thousands. Um, the reason they stopped was because my mom, shy, she got pregnant with me. So it was my fault that Selfish they stopped. Ender. I know, I know. Look at you, ruining yeah. oh, awesome. He's the AMC baby, bro. Yep. Yeah. So that's why they stopped, but they knew it. Uh, like they knew Trevor. They they knew that it was a really great place. So when I when it was suggested to me that I try boxing, they were like, "Well, maybe you could try AMC." And I mean, of course, when I came there, it was a lot different than their versions or your guys's versions of it. But I mean, I wouldn't be the man I am now without it. You're the first. You're the first like new gen. Yeah, you are. Yeah, <laughs> he is though, right? Because I started off boxing. You started off Muay Thai, right? Mm-hmm. And then I came into it but all. You came. You were you were the new gen too. <laughs> Would you, oh no, you yeah. started off boxing too. I started right? boxing as well. I know Filipinos that box. What? <laughs> but yeah, I came into it all at once. Just I don't think I. I think I just took every class I could. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's dope too. Yep. Yep. Okay, so I guess it's up to me talk about my story. <laughs> About how yeah. you mauled other children. Well, 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 well. I guess now we can go back to the history. We can talk oh, okay, about okay. how, yeah, my grandfather was a boxer, and then my other grandfather was a boxer. So, what my mom did was don't put me in boxing because that would make me a violent person. 
Is that what long. she thought? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. So what that did was just made me a violent person because I wanted to. I found so, yeah. that thanks to training, I'm a much... I'm not really a violent person Yeah, there at doesn't all, seem to be, like, hard evidence to suggest that. It's like, you know, yeah. if you do MMA, then you're capable of violence outside. Yeah. No, it seems to be actually the opposite. I think I'm a pretty mellow person. Yeah. Yeah. Who will crush their enemies! Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just a healthy desire to crush your enemies. No, no, but... Yeah, but go yeah. on. <clears throat> yes. So then, uh, yeah, so then being denied that because I always wanted, because I wanted to be a boxer, mm. like yeah. from there. So naturally. Then, naturally. <laughs> I know. So then, so then being denied, denied of that, I'm like, well, I got to figure out other things, mm. you know, to do. So then I would, yeah, I would just end up, uh, I, I would just end up wanting to fight people. So, which was very available in the Philippines. And then, <laughs> uh, and then moved to the States. I was like, huh. I guess these I guess a little bit different here Jesus. but then I just found other Filipinos and then we would just fight each other yeah. from, from there and then yeah and then I was like man this is amazing I want to do more of this and then because you know I just I would go home watch anime watch Dragon Ball Z and then yeah. alright now it's time to go get in some street fights and then watching film exactly I'm like ah Nice. This at is what I'm, I need to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least I'm not becoming a violent person like my mom. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you like take like five days to power up in front of your <laughs> opponent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did you just have endless rants about what you were going to do to them and all your plans? So by the time you fought them, they blocked everything? I realized that that probably wasn't the best way to go, so I, I would just punch people in the nuts. Yeah. That was so. the one good thing about UFC 1, <laughs> goddammit. Come Why did the culture get punch. Right in the dick. Yeah. Yep, and that was yeah, and that, that was pretty much how I found fighting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but how did you find MMA? Award me for doing. Well, I found MMA found... because how were you exposed to? I was it? exposed to MMA, so I always That's would like, watch like my yeah. my grandfather would always like watch boxing, and then we would have we had this. Uh, illegal pay-per-view scrambler so that's how yep. yeah you, you know you know what i mean it's I, like a box i don't what is this all, you get all free yeah, this is like in the early 2000s okay so what you it was pretty much like a square so you know I, it was like those black squares I yes it was that. a black square okay yeah yeah so pretty so ender so back in the day like when you, you had like cable yeah you would um so uh, fbi listen up this guy's fucking yeah. family stealing this we're is, stealing cable remember so legally we can't say hypothetically speaking <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's just say hypothetically. This is all hypothetical. Yeah, black legal square or yeah. cube. Yeah, black mm. cube that would then scramble the signal so you could get hypothetical pay per views <laughs> that you hypothetically used yes. as a child. Yes, <laughs> For some reason, I'm th- man, I don't know. I'm I think older than everyone here, so I don't know if this reference would make sense. But like back back in the Not day, paper, well, pay per view. Uh, would be on like channels like ninety seven yeah. and ninety nine. You already know what yes, I'm yes. talking about. You're talking about yeah, there would be yeah. porn and it would be yeah. static and you'd be staring at it and you'd be like, Oh god, there's a titty. Nah, <laughs> it'd just be you're pure just static that. though. And I you're, got just like, one. you're just like you're just like eleven years old and you're like, Oh god. Bro, I was like dude, I'm gonna go if you get deep, right? Sorry. Wait, be careful though, bro, because once this is out there, it's out, it's there. out there. You're right. I can't. I can't make. This. All right, I got you. I got you. <laughs> what do you hypothetically do? Because once it's out, well, it's there. like it's like. Well, shit. I'm a fucking. Ah. So, you know, so so I, I saw that and then I was like, fuck. You think you'll show up on the my dad's bill or some shit? <laughs> <laughs> fuck. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna give him to buy it and then I bought it and then. Uh, I think was I, it worth it? It was worth it for I, like two minutes. <laughs> 
And, and I was like, and I was like, like fuck, what am I gonna do now? And then when you can get on the internet, it's fucking over. Boys yeah. are boys are gross. Boys are fucking <laughs> gross. I didn't have to say, it, but we all know what I'm saying. But that being said, I didn't say nothing, so you can't pin anything on me. Hypothetically, allegedly <laughs> here. I was just saying, worth it. Two minutes. That's it. Is yeah. there anything else about the uh, documentary that? What do you mean? This is about the documentary? No, oh, that I we're. Think, uh, I think, yeah, I we think should we got probably it. pull back. I think we got it. So well, I, well, here's what I wanted the subject. I actually want because you talked about how everyone's talking about how martial arts help them become less violent, right? Mm. So you think? Wait, US, what? <laughs> well, so, so, you know, like I'm yeah, not, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. like we had that right of passage. We don't have to go in the streets and start fucking people up for no reason or getting fucked up, right? Right. So, so like you think. <laughs> You think the UFC has made society or Western society better as a whole, or more violent, or what do you think? I don't. Know. I mean, I don't think it really. Has I don't think. I don't think. Impact. I think what it's done is it more. It's been absorbed by uh, mainstream culture. Society mainstream culture. So it, it's it's now a product of global culture in terms of the, the profit motive, in terms of capital interests. The society. As our society's been violent. So what happens is certain political groups, what they try to do is they try to target MMA, uh, certain types of music, video games, and they, they draw this weak correlation between observing that and um, you know violent behavior. I think the, the bigger thing is it's like, why why do people watch MMA? Because yes. we're all we're consumers of it. So what what is like the the motive to consume that product, right? And mm-hmm. based on that, what does it say about the observer? Um, and what and what does it say uh, yeah. about the product? That's the the question I because I I used to think that I was like, man, is this just uh, wrong morally? But then, but 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 it's not so much the activity. I think fighting is a part of just mm-hmm. human nature. You're just commercializing and, human nature. And, and what, yeah, and what you're taking is you're taking something that's really fundamental, and it's like. How does it become distorted when it becomes a part of mainstream culture? Yeah, what does culture do to it? How does it diminish it? Yeah. How does it distort it? Yeah. And more importantly, how does it hide like the raw exploitation of the fighters? Yeah, because that is like, I think this documentary is getting at that. When mm-hmm. you say that, you know, uh, prize fighting or whatever is a history of exploitation, we have to look at what's that premise? Like, how? Like, who does it exploit? Yeah. How are they exploited? Um, because again, it's like, I can only think of there just like in any sport there's, or just with people in general, there's going to be people that are capable of extreme violence and they're just fucked up. Like war machine. It's fucking, yeah. holy shit. Like the superhero? Shit. No, that no, guy. No, the super villain. Oh. Or like even, uh. You don't know who war machine is. My boy. That's my, a whole other episode. Or my boy Lee Murray, bro. Lee Murray is a straight fucking gangster. And that guy didn't, martial arts didn't change him. He was still a gangster. You know, or like uh, crazy uh, horse, crazy horse, man. Like again, yeah. the, the the sport isn't able to, to to tame them in that way, but it's not generalizable. You know, yeah, it's right. like, um, but that's an important question, and I, I used to. That's just I I'm, think I think long winded response. I'm sorry, my guy. I think it does it does hurt like the soul of martial arts, and I, I'm a part of it too. You know what I'm saying? Because I know I would feel terrible if I got kicked in the face and it was on street beef. And yet my fucking ass still shared it on my Facebook and you know what I'm saying? I, I, it, it takes away from that Bushido like No, no, no. No, that's so. his t- that's, that's your take though. That's, that's your my take. take. Yeah. And that's a real take and that's 
No, no, so, I mean, let's, let's what, go ahead. No, were you going to say something, Aaron? No, that's a fair take, and that is true. That is like, you know, I, I get what you're saying about the, the modern commercialization knew, though, I mean. is watering down the, the virtues of martial arts. But at the same time, where do they come from? Like martial, war, war. Mars. Like this originally was meant to kill and mm-hmm. maim and injure. Like I think that's the big thing the Dio's brothers are about. Like if this wasn't like a sanctioned fight with a ref, like yeah, people get on them like oh they're too much or taking it too seriously. They take themselves too seriously, but they have a point. If this wasn't a sanctioned fight, it'd be killing the other person, not stopping. Yeah, you know, like is yeah, and um, what is a rear naked choke without the ref? Or if you don't want to like let go after the tap, you you choose you to get into the fight. Guys. You choose to take the consequences whether you win or you lose. Yeah, and it's like what is it really getting into? Yeah, and I, but 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 I think like. For war, yeah, for war, great. Right. It's fucking great for war. You could die from a street fight, though. People don't realize, and yeah, they don't like yeah, to admit it, that. That's a, yeah, you no, could that's... get your head knocked on the street, yeah. concrete. Yeah. I know, but who do you want to be remembered as? That's what I want to get at. I want to be right. remembered as the guy that fucking spent his whole life living that way of just fucking... But I think it comes down to perspective it. as well. That's, like, what you want to do exactly. like with that. I mean, because, yeah, you can, like, revel in all that, but just because... And the fact that it's happened already, and sure, you shared it and whatever, but you can't, like, look down at yourself. I'm not, like, I, 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 yeah. no, I'm, what I'm doing right now is accepting yeah. Yeah. both sides of the coin. Yeah. That's good. Because I can't change that, and I'm not going to get mad at myself. Because we both agreed, and he was like, yo, we're both good fighters. Because he hit me up, he was like, yo, we're both good fighters. We'll probably get, like, a million views if we fight. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, bro, fuck it, I want to test my, I told him, I just want to test myself mm-hmm. and see what happens. And we both, I mean, you know, that's good. Now, so. Yeah, and, and, and but I get, I get where you're going you with know, it. Same. It's like, it's it's an there's consent there. There's consent, and but what the problem, where the problem lies, is that that becomes the pinnacle, right? That becomes the pinnacle of what martial arts is, is that performative thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're getting the likes, you're you're getting the views, and it's like then that that kind of shifts how we view it, as opposed to it being martial in the sense that you had these people who again. Small frames were weak, and again, there was very strong people that did martial arts. But there was this idea, I believe, of like protecting people, self-defense, exactly. yeah. and being intelligent about how you utilized your skills. Mm-hmm. You you were actually a bigger person for walking away. But again, the UFC and even the Ultimate Fighter included, it was just like machismo, aggression, yeah. like the best, the best, a dog eat dog type of situation. And- I think the higher calling for martial arts is like. Yeah. A strong value system, uh, understanding like how does this actually empower people, and again the higher level is like self defense, yeah. self defense over everything else. That doesn't that doesn't mean don't go test your skills against some guy. That's great. That was great for you. I think that was great for you as a martial artist, mm-hmm. and I think it's good that you still have some sensitive parts of you because you don't want to lose that where you're yeah. like fuck. You end up like McGregor, who I think has fucking lost that, and then you punch some old man in a bar in Dublin or or, or anything. You just lose this part of yourself where you're yeah. just like, it's violence, and yeah, this is what it is. It's kill or be killed. Mm-hmm. And I think that is just a fucked up mentality. Yeah. Um, I understand it, but it I just, mean, shit. It's, you lose that human element. Yeah, dude. You fucking, you see that dude that got his kick caught and then fucking fucking back kicked him in the face and now it's like he's famous instantly like and that guy who took that kick to the face was an amazing guy he's he took like, that L like a champ yeah he's a good job man and it yeah. is what it is though. I'm sure he's fucking knocked out plenty of fools too though. but you know what I mean it still takes away that human element and, you know. I don't think it takes away the human element I mean struggle is the human element yeah 
So it's just that's the human just, condition is that. to struggle constantly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that's why I like it better. It's cool that we're all here and we're putting our own. Because I, I can see now, like what you're talking about too, just accept what it is. But I see what you're. I see where I'm coming from. I see where I'm, it's a cool. Yeah. Little, you did the right thing, like, and there's nothing like good or bad because you get you get to take narrative narrative. What's it called? Like narratives. Narrative of how you write your story about what your experience with street beefs. Like yeah. there wasn't anything inherently right or wrong about it. You know, no. you wanted to test yourself. You did. You guys walked away, and you did the right thing about like not following through with the when you knocked him out. You know, you guys did it. Like, yeah, you man, walked away, and yeah. you and walked I, away safe. And it's not like the fight in itself, the testing was was wrong. There's nothing wrong about it. If you feel any type of way about it, it's probably because of Street Beefs exploiting you guys. You know? Oh, it's for like, sure. And that's the thing that made. That's the thing right. that again because of the same with fighters being exploited. Yeah, that's a great point by Aaron. Is then, yeah, you then see it that becomes thumbnail, dude. That's pure exploitation. <laughs> no, exactly. And then it becomes and just street beefs, honestly, bro, I'm, right. it's kind of a joke. It's like it takes another man to look another man who's looking at two men to punch a man <laughs> in the fucking face. <laughs> and then you're just like up. and then I'm like, okay, was street beefs created so that there wouldn't be violence in the streets? Like you got beef with someone, it's like let's shoot a fair one. Cause I think that's unique. I think we need more of that as opposed to people shooting up houses and shit. Yeah. But again, it marketing the fucking again. Money. Money, just money again. So that's why you got to keep your spirit. Keep that. And I think, I think, I think I'm trying to learn that because let's say I do deploy, I want to be able to be moral as a warrior. I don't want to be those dudes that are just you know some my lie shit. You know what I'm saying? I, I want to. <laughs> yeah. I want to live the way an honorable. I want to live an honorable warrior life. So. Yeah, and and you. You determine that too. You know what I mean. There's some guys who just knock people out and then they talk a whole bunch of shit. That's not my, that's not my bag, bro. Like I like I like banter. I like competition. But again, if it becomes this, this crazy thing, and again, it just it if it if it devalues the art of it Mm -hmm. and the expression of it. It's about self realization. That's the thing, man. Some people just like doing that shit. That's not me either. In the end, I really think martial arts. I guess you could say this about any pursuit. It's just a, it's just a reflection of who you are. Mm-hmm. It's not. I just, mean, at its root, you could say, sure, it was for war. Sure, it was any of that. But there are people who do martial arts that are honorable, like you say. There are people sure. who do martial arts who are like, who are crazy and talk a ton of shit. It's, it's not martial arts itself, in my opinion, doesn't dictate I it doesn't dictate who you are what you do comes through through your martial arts right and I think what we see in the UFC is we see that behavior is shaped towards the accumulation of wealth on a scale so if if even if you you respect the art what happens is if you if you want to make money again what's the marketable thing who set the standard for how you should show up, how you should talk, how you should talk to your opponent. It's not martial arts, it's, it's the corporation. It's society. It's yeah, society. So, so that's what I'm saying, we're seeing yeah. a collision. Yes, yeah. for sure, yeah. it's martial so, business. Mm-hmm. You see DJ, yeah. the way he goes about it. And, and again, there, there's a difference too between like, I think someone just being brash and just completely disrespectful or someone being genuinely who they are and yeah. kind of having like harsh words. I think that's fine too as long as you bring it back to some sense of reality. You know? In my so. opinion, we channel ourselves through the things we do. And... It's the problem I have is when again that exploitation comes up when we try when people try and change how you channel yourself through something. 
Mm, but that's just exploitation of art in general. Yes, you know, and, and, and like that's bastardized. It's tragic. That yeah, right yeah. there, Ender. Mm. That's a really key part going forward. Is For how the next do episode. yeah exactly yes. how do these different elements play together? Play together, right? Because yeah. real quick in the next episode, we see like a real focus on Shogun Hua, who like when that tournament he wins and kind of how he's like quintessential martial artist. This guy with a podcaster body is what <laughs> Felix says, exactly. who just is kind of ch- you know no one thought he's going to do anything and look yeah and he wasn't brash and he wasn't over the top so yeah, yeah. good shit guys that's been great all right pack rage philosophy like share subscribe do the thing sorry pack for the philosophy. i had to, I had to go hard on the entry i'm sorry i had to go hard i'm sorry about that beaver you're dead son <laughs> you're dead. if he hears these he's like god